Welcome to A Jolt of Joy. I'm your host, Carol McLeod, here on the Charisma Podcast Network. If you're just joining us, we have been studying the book of Ephesians verse by verse by verse. We're taking it all in. We're applying everything that the Apostle Paul wrote to our 21st century lives. We're growing in our faith and we're becoming enriched by the very Word of God. Now, as you grow in the knowledge of God, did you know that your life is the show and tell of the power of God to the world in which you live? Yes, God's kindness and His nature are on display through your life for others to see. So, let me ask you a question. What are others seeing when they look at your life? We have just learned, according to the truth in Ephesians 2, that something incredible has happened to us. God interrupted our lives with His love and His grace. But that's not all He did. He sizopoeoed us. He turned us. We have a new bent. We have a new disposition. He made us alive together with Him. And not only that, the next thing that He did for us was He sinagierod us. He raised us up together with Christ. We have a new seat in the house. And then he sinkavizod us. He seated us right beside Jesus Christ himself. We have the best seat in the house as we go through life. It's called a seat of revelation. We're sitting right beside Jesus. Now, why did he do all these things for us? Why did he give us the best seat in the house? Why did he raise us from the dead? Why did he give us a new bent? Ephesians 2, verse 7. So that, here's our answer, in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, that's us. That's now. We live in the ages to come that Paul and the Holy Spirit were talking about. This is what's happening now. So that he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, today, he is showing the indescribable, immeasurable riches of his grace that were born in kindness toward us, toward you and me in Christ Jesus. Now, my friend, make no mistake about it. God, your father, the creator of the universe, is the kindest being to have ever lived. And the way that God the Father reveals his grace toward you is by lavishing kindness on your life in Christ Jesus. He's not cruel. He is kind. Ephesians 2, 7 says that he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness. This word show is a word picture of how a lawyer in court gives visual evidence. Our lives are the show and tell of God's kindness. God wanted to show off his kindness and he did it in you. We are here to show to reveal or to display God's kindness. We are the exhibit of his mercy 
and his grace and his kindness. Now, the next three verses are going to help you understand your salvation and your calling. It's a bit of a tightrope. If you didn't study it, if you didn't dig into it, you might think that it was a contradiction, but it's not. It's truth, and it is liberty. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You are saved if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart, and then you believe it by faith. Salvation is a gift. You didn't earn it or deserve it. You were given it, and you accepted it by faith. You can't boast about it because it was a free gift. Works had absolutely nothing to do with it. I want you to think about the thief on the cross for a minute. The thief on the cross didn't have any opportunity to do anything good at all. But still, Jesus said to him today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Think about Paul, a mass murderer, yet he was saved on his way to assassinate more Christians. Did Paul deserve it? Did he earn it? No, emphatically no, and neither did you. But now comes the part that might confuse you about grace and about faith, about salvation, about boasting, about works. But let me tell you a story so that it will help demonstrate what these verses are about. You know, I loved my children before they pooped. I loved them before they burped or made their beds. I treasured them before they slept all night, before they were potty trained or ever earned an A on a report card. I adored them before they could spell cat, before they unloaded the dishwasher, and before they learned to play the piano. I was head over heels in love with every one of my five children before they ever read a book, before they were ever kind to a friend or to a sibling. I loved them unconditionally, and I loved them fully. But they weren't created just to sit on my lap all day, every day. They weren't created just for me to rock them to sleep every night of their life. They weren't created for me to look adoringly into their precious blue eyes. They were created for destiny. And when a baby is about two years old, you realize that they can do a whole lot more than just hang out in your arms. They can fold washcloths and put their toys away and and share with their siblings. And as they grow, the list gets longer. They become productive kids and productive teenagers and productive young adults. They begin to invest their talents in the world around them. You know, we've got three older sons and then two daughters. And and when the three boys were, were growing up and getting old, I, I think that Matt was probably 12 and and Chris was 10, and and Jordan wasn't that old yet, but he was part of this conversation. One day, Craig's dad, who we lovingly called Pa, talked to me, and he said, Carol, you're a wonderful mom, but you need to teach your boys how to work. And so this man in his 60s took it upon himself to teach my three boys to be hard workers. He taught them how to hang sheetrock, how to how to use a saw and a hammer, how to change a tire and how to change the oil in his truck. I loved them before they knew how to work and so did their grandfather, but we wanted them to live a life beyond their blue gingham nurseries. And so that story is going to help you understand Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, this word workmanship depicts something putting forth his fullest creative abilities to achieve something. So when God the Father created you, he put forth his fullest creative abilities in order to achieve your life. God created you. You are the crowning achievement of creation and nothing compares to you. Not orchids or diamonds or the seven natural wonders of the world. You are one of a kind to God and he made you. God created you in Christ so that you would not have a life separate from Jesus Christ. He is the one who is life and we get to live in him. There is no life apart from Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we live exuberantly and fully and enthusiastically and with eternal purpose. And why did he create us? Well, he created us for good works. Now, this phrase, for good works, means excelling in all that is good and useful. Now, works didn't save you. His grace saved you, but he created you for good good works. You know, God thought about you before you were born and planned for you to be useful at your moment on earth. God prepared beforehand and says, yes, that fits. This is a good fit for her or for him. God thought about your life and before you were even born, he had a list of good works for you to accomplish. Let's keep reading Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10, for whom he appointed glory beforehand and rendered them fit to receive it. This is an exciting phrase. Your life is a perfect fit for the glory of God. When God created you, he placed you inside of Jesus Christ. You have the life of Jesus. You have the healing power of Jesus. You have the authority of Jesus and the strength of Jesus and the wisdom of Jesus. And why did he create you? He created you for good works. He had a list of events for you to accomplish during your tenure on planet Earth. You know, I always gave my children a list of chores for them to do after school or on Saturdays. Practice the piano, unload the dishwasher, dust your bedroom, call your grandmother, weed the garden, knock on the neighbor's door, feed the dog, play with a sibling. And God has made a chore list for you to do as well. You have people to pray for and continents to visit and missionaries to send and books to write and people to encourage and children to love. There are inventions for you to invent and cures for you to discover and songs to be written and sung. There are meals for you to cook and notes for you to write and hugs to be given and smiles to be shared and laughter to resound. There are walks to be taken and artwork to be created and diapers to be changed and sweaters to be knitted, holidays to be celebrated, cookies to be baked, meetings to attend, and difficult people for you to love. And as you walk in His plans for your life, your purpose will be fulfilled, the purpose of living and breathing and Jesus Christ. So what does your lifetime chore list look like, my friend? What are the abilities that Christ has placed inside of you in order you to help you get the job done? He's looking for a few good men and a few good women in our generation who are willing 
to work for him and get the job done. Thank you for joining me on A Jolt of Joy. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can also visit my website at justjoyministries.com. It's my passion to help people live an abundant life through the power and principles found only in the Word of God. Email me at carol at justjoyministries.com. And as always, know that I am praying for you today.